Luther's small catechism teaches us that when we wake every morning and before we go to bed at night, we remember our baptism by making the sign of the Holy Cross upon ourselves and saying the name of the divine God, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. We just sang, this world's prince may still scowl fierce as he will. He can harm us none. He's judged. The deed is done. One little word can fell him. The Reformation is about one little word. What is it? It's a fun parlor game to try to figure out what that one little word is. My pastor, my mentor in ministry, who preached here for my installation almost two years ago, taught us that it is the word liar. When Satan tells you that God doesn't love you, he's a liar. Christ's death and resurrection declare Satan to be a liar. I've also heard that the one little word is the name of Jesus. Vicar told me this past week that he thinks the one little word is the Greek word tetelestai, which is translated into English, it is finished. I said this past Wednesday on our Facebook Live conversation that I think the one little word is a conjunction, but... And we heard it in St. Paul's letter to the Romans, where he begins his discourse on the law and begins in verse 21 to say, but now the righteousness of God has been revealed in Jesus Christ. One little word can fell him, but. Tonight, however, the one little word is abide. Abide is the word that should make you sigh in deep gratitude to our loving Father in heaven. You sigh in gratitude because you have the gift of freedom in Jesus Christ. Everybody wants to be free. When I was a little boy, my dad would turn on the country radio and there would be the voice of Merle Haggard. And my dad didn't so much sing as he made a joyful noise unto the Lord. And he would sing along to the song, and I'll never forget hearing his voice. I wish I could hear it now. Turn me loose, set me free, somewhere in the middle of Montana. Give me all I got coming to me. And keep your retirement and your so-called social security. Big city, turn me loose and set me free. The freedom that God gives us in Jesus Christ, beloved, I guarantee is better than the middle of Montana. Sorry, Merle. His freedom is declared in his word to you. Jesus says to the Jews who believed him in John chapter 8, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What then does it mean to abide in the word of Jesus? You and I would rather not abide in that word. We would rather abide in slavery to the familiar ways of doing things on our own. That's what's behind the response of the Jews who believed in Jesus. We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. You better go back and read the Torah. Remember who brought you out of slavery in Egypt through the Red Sea and into the Promised Land. Well, almost into the Promised Land. Joshua finished it off was Moses. How quickly they forget, no sooner did they cross the Red Sea, that they were already clamoring, almost begging Moses to go back to Egypt. 
Would that we would be able to eat from the flesh pots of the Egyptians. We would rather be full, fat, and enslaved than free. Abraham was not enslaved. He clung to the promises God made him, such as, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. So shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord, and it was counted, reckoned to him as righteousness. The same righteousness that St. Paul talks about in the epistle reading tonight from Romans chapter 3. Abraham, a sinner though he was, was counted righteous in the Lord by hanging on to a promise, clinging to it for dear life. You and I, hmm, hmm, that's hard to do, cling to a promise, because we can count on all our fingers and toes maybe twice over how many times people have made a promise to us and have welched on it, either by accident or totally on purpose. Doesn't God get the fact that I am a sinner? Oh, yes, he does. So the good news really can't be that good after all. He's got to put a catch in there somewhere. No. Remember, you are created good. and Your nature is soiled with sin and death and unbelief. The problem is, do we actually even believe that there is a thing such as sin in the first place? The good news then that you and I want to hear is justice, yes, but justice for my enemies. And I'll throw in things like, I don't know, a reduced carbon footprint. That would be nice. And a chicken in every pot, too. And I'll take two because I have five kids and they're hungry. You and I are looking for a civil gospel, which is not really a gospel. It's good news, small g, small n, that is actually good for you, but bad for those who get in your way. You're looking for God to give you a pat on the back for being just with others, Chiefly to yourself, of course. There's nothing in a civil gospel about believing promises because we know that sinners say and do things they are not going to accomplish. If anyone knows it, it should be you and me. So what Jesus says to us today about freedom and about abiding in his word cannot be true because I'm no slave. I trust no one's word. And the only truth that matters is what I say is truth. And who cares about your truth? Because my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth. And we'll just get along just fine now, won't we? Control. Fear. Those are not the one little word that fells the devil. They are cast aside, though, by Jesus because he does not come seeking control. That's something that we forget Many people forget that. They really do believe that Jesus and the church is about control and fear instead of about forgiveness and life. Jesus does not come to make you afraid. If you purposely stand in his way and try to foil the perfect sacrifice made for sin, uh, well, Jesus will probably handle that roadblock like he does the Pharisees who put these things in his way. He teaches them. The truth that sets them free. And how do they respond? Let him be crucified. His blood be upon us and on our children. And so it is. And that blood is on you as well, beloved. That's the truth. 
Jesus holds the field forever. His victory upon the cross and out of the tomb sets you free from every enemy that stands in the way of eternity for you. You are no longer a slave to sin. That's the truth. You abide in Christ and have his life in you and your life is in him. That's the truth. Jesus will come again to judge the living and the dead, calling his children home to eternity with him. That's the truth. All this truth is yours as you abide in his word. Preacher, tell me what that looks like. I want some of that. Abiding in his word is letting our Lord's word have his way with you. For us, you see, we move around a lot. Sinners tend to scramble. Sinners do not like to stand still in one place for too long. It keeps our Heavenly Father guessing, you see, when we're on the move. The minute that our Lord hands over the gifts to his church, the church tends to waltz around. Like trying to catch somebody with a trampoline jumping off of a fiery building and you don't know how or where they're going to land. Like the silent movies where they scramble with the Scramble with the trampoline or whatever that thing is that you catch the body in. That's us. Jesus, however, would prefer that we would stand still. That's why we're here, you know. That's why there's pews. A place for you to sit and stand still. We don't go running around. We sit. We relax. And we let Jesus and his errand boys do all the work to deliver forgiveness and life for you. Abiding in Jesus' word looks like water with word splashed on you in your baptism. Abiding in Jesus' word looks like opening your mouth and receiving his precious body and blood under bread and wine in the sacrament like we will in just a bit. Abiding in his word is the confidence That St. Paul lays out five chapters after tonight's epistle. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what it means to abide in Jesus' word. To stand and sit still and be served with the bread of life. It is that for which the Reformation is. Because the church forgot her first love. May God protect us all from forgetting our first love. That's why we celebrate this thing called Reformation every year. That's why we don't try to get amnesia about it every day. Human beings forget things fast. Jesus puts his word in your way 
and says, abide in me. Abide in life. Abide in freedom from slavery to sin. And in just a bit, we will sing, Abide, O faithful Savior, among us with your love. Grant steadfastness and help us to reach our home above. You've already got it because of Jesus. Stand still and let him hand over the goods. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.